0: for a younger model, friends would whisper to each other, give Annie a call. She could make her clients look smarter, cleverer, three inches taller, three inches narrower, five years younger, sexy, current, informed, and part of the game again. In one brisk shopping session, she could transform someone from bewildered follower of fashion to leader of the pack. There were now a surprising number of wealthy but insecure women in the capital, who couldn't add so much as a belt or an earring to their wardrobes unless Annie had approved its purchase. Being so constantly in demand, Annie was always a woman in a hurry, never really happy unless she was doing two things at once, driving and talking on the mobile, hands-free, walking at great speed on three-inch heels while advising a client on the mobile, haggling on the mobile while eating a carefully calorie-controlled snack, in the ongoing battle to remain a size 12, or else there wouldn't be a single designer item left that she'd be able to fit into. Good grief! Even Donna Karen could no longer be relied on to cut clothes generously now that she'd ashtanga yoghurt herself into a size 10. But despite Annie's 110% commitment to her many jobs, there was no forgetting the other key elements in her life. She devoted all her available non-working time to the care and attention of her two children, and one still quite new live-in lover. Her daughter Lana was sixteen, and increasingly complicated. She had dark hair, even darker moods, and some days grumped about like a firework ready to explode with a bang and a shower of sparks at any moment. On the fortunately rare days when Lana's PMT coincided with her mother's, there was a threat of murder in the air. Owen was ten, and seemed shy, sweet and sunny-natured by comparison. He was musical, easy-going and very happy that the new man in his mother's life was also his music teacher at school. Ed Leon, who Annie and her children had lived with for about a year now, had arrived on the scene with several very important assets, cunningly disguised. A curly tangle of unruly hair concealed surprisingly warm blue eyes. The worst tweedy and baggy charity shop wardrobe Annie had ever encountered covered an unexpectedly fit and muscular body, and Ed's dingy, damp basement flat had turned out to be just one floor of the beautiful Georgian townhouse in oh-so-desirable North London that he had part inherited. Oh, and of course, Ed was also a lovely man, funny, slightly younger, and utterly devoted to Annie and he'd disguised that very well, too, until she'd finally found him out. As a woman who could never resist a project, Annie had spent considerable time renovating both Ed and the townhouse. She had sold up her own beautiful home, raised an enormous mortgage, and bought a share of the house so that they could all live there together. The house was slightly easier to renovate than Ed, who was strangely attached to his old clothes and outraged at the price tags on the things Annie wanted him to wear. The house had offered less resistance. It hadn't complained. It hadn't blurted out things like, You want to spend how much on reflooring my bathroom in solid walnut? But I know where I could get a nice bit of lino for buttons. The house even seemed grateful for Annie's devotion to it. Whenever she returned, she felt it twinkle back at her and welcome her in. The glossy wooden floorboards shone. The pale walls and satiny woodwork stood to attention. The repaired windows, new bathrooms and gleaming kitchen all seemed to sparkle for her. Annie Valentine, called the voice from the bedroom. This is your last and final call for boarding. Five minutes, babes. Then because she knew just why he was so keen to have her there beside him, she added cheekily, Start without me. I'll jump right in. Honest? Her bids had been timed to close just a few minutes apart from each other, all the way up till midnight, when the shop would finally shut for the night after the sale of this evening's three prized items. A beautiful tan mulberry handbag, thigh-high designer leather boots, and a slinky floor-length mink fur coat. Fur wasn't a thing you saw out much in London. She'd never wear it. Well, maybe a beautiful wool coat. Trimmed with mink, a soft shawl collar, generous cuffs, if she was forced to. But amongst some of the ladies she dressed, head to toe mink was still deeply in, despite the protesters and red paint. But then these ladies were.